True Crime Podcast. Some of the content on this show might be too graphic for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys, and welcome to Crime Wives. As always, I'm your host, Veronica. And I'm your host, Destiny. And before we get into things, we wanted to ask if you could do us a huge favor and stop what you're doing right now. Just drop your phone. Right now. Actually, pick your phone back up. (laughs) And wherever you're listening to the podcast right now, please go rate and review our podcast um, because that'll help us out a ton. And if you haven't already, uh, please go to uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you do social media things and follow us on Crime Wives Podcast. And if you would like to connect with us, um, email us, talk to us, send us things. You do that at crimewivespodcast at gmail.com. Perfect. And also, if you're new here, this is probably something I'm going to start doing more regularly. If you're new here and you just want to hear the crimey stuff, the beginning of each podcast, we talk about ourselves. We're not going to stop doing that because it it's all crimey here, so we like <laughs> need some not crimey stuff. Um, but if you want to hear some crimey stuff, we're going to talk about ourselves for like maybe eight minutes, potentially ten just fast forward to the part where you hear bam, 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 one more time. <laughs> Our little music break, and then you'll get to the crimey stuff. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, hi. Hello. How's it going? It's going. How has it been since the last time I saw you two I days mean, ago? It was not very long ago. It's been an interesting couple of days. Um, but besides that, it's been good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like we said, Already, it's Halloween tomorrow, so it's almost <laughs> Halloween. Yeah, we've, we got the countdown going at this point. Right, they're like, <laughs> you've been saying it's almost Halloween for three weeks. By the time they hear this, they're going to be like, Halloween has happened. Um, yeah, y'all are weird. <laughs> um, so next week, though, or the week, eventually you guys will get our Halloween stories of oh, what yeah. we did on Halloween. Yeah, and if you follow us on social media, you can already see some of our halloween costumes they're not on our social media maybe we should post one maybe yeah we always promise to post i don't really have one i didn't i just had like a short video of me as a zombie and then my friend is a zombie but we do have one of you and other friends that's true are you gonna dress up tomorrow i think i'm gonna dress up tomorrow so i'll just take another one one tomorrow yeah oh yeah now i have to dress up tomorrow see here's my excuse last yeah you do last week we or last weekend when we had a party my husband and i were um beetlejuice and uh lydia who i keep trying to call olivia but i we both decided he's like i refuse to put all that makeup on again i was like what are you gonna do he's like i don't know but i'm not doing that so (laughs) i'm just gonna do like cool makeup tomorrow and just wear my black wig because I want to get full use out of it. But yeah. we're not being Beetlejuice and Lydia tomorrow. I mean, I get that also because you're going to be outside and it might be a little cold. Oh, y- yes. As Lydia. That was my, one of my other... I was like, oh. I know. I was honestly thinking of other things I could potentially do because my makeup part of my zombie took me like two hours because like half my it face was, was all blah, very and gnarly my face face and then I had the bite marks on my one arm. side of you looked pretty normal and then the other side I was like whoa and you're like oh not Yikes. so normal uh yeah so I don't know if I'm gonna go that far because I have to work and everything like that unfortunately I'm a human yeah and have to do we keep reminding you people that we have normal jobs and we don't want to <laughs> so if anyone wants to pay us to just live let us know um yeah i mean we'll bring you more content is that worse or better we'll give you everything yeah no (laughs) almost so close to everything (laughs) um but yeah so i have a normal job you have a normal job so i don't have enough time to do my makeup like i as 
to the extent that I did it this weekend. So I might be a cat. Oh. Or something along those lines. We'll see. You guys will see sooner have, or later. I have a skeleton uh, sweater <laughs> that's like all skeletoned up. I might wear that and then just do skeleton makeup. There you go. I've been that before. I I'm definitely like, was actually looking at a picture today that popped up in my memories of, of you as a me, skeleton. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty good skeleton. Also, I was like, whoa, boobs. Where'd those go? <laughs> like, like, excuse out. me, can I have them back? <laughs> yeah. I was a siren that year. And oh, yeah, you were. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. But, yeah, so this time I was a zombie. Uh-huh. Um, Alex was Freddie Mercury, which I, was hands down my favorite. I, he, you, Nobody even had to say who he was. I was like, whoa, oh, my gosh, Freddie Mercury. <laughs> and he just kept doing the, like, the little dance with his arms. And I yes. was like, and then he'd stand in the window and do it. And he was just all about it. it and then he'd break out, break out into songs. And then he said some inappropriate things. And mm-hmm. I, The drunker my that husband. I got, I was following him around going, I want to ride my bike. <laughs> and he just said nothing. I'm like, oh, I'm the worst. <laughs> no, I'm sure he was, he was like, yeah, fangirl me, fangirl me girl because <laughs> he was all about his costume and i was just like you're wild dude. he's great all he had to do is grow mustache which he already had like yeah. and he so we were gonna do pop art originally oh. and he and i was like but you gotta shave your mustache and maybe we'll do like archer and he was like no <laughs> and i was like okay uh. and then he was actually playing guitar that morning and i sent a picture of him on Snapchat, it was probably being like, this pool won't stop <laughs> or something stop like that. Him. And Nevin's like, Freddie Mercury question mark. And I was like, just found sold. a costume. Okay, cool. <laughs> Love it. Um, and I didn't have to do his makeup, so I focused on mine. So it was nice. That's amazing. That was So fun. that was our weekend. Also... We kind of just merged. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't. One I of mean, our friends. I got nothing. The fights are this weekend. They so are apparently some fights that are supposed to be good. I mean, there's usually. I I, I am surprised I haven't heard about the fights so far. Uh, somebody just brought them up to me and they're like, "You want to come over this weekend?" And I was like, mm, "Kind of." Will just... there be wings? <laughs> <laughs> because if so, <laughs> maybe yeah. I'm going. Whoever, I'm like, I, I haven't really been feeling wings lately, mm. but I have been feeling. I've only wanted wings for like the last like it's. But that's not necessarily new to me. Yeah, it's like, if it's norm. not ahi tuna, it's wings. I think it's weird for me that I don't want wings. Because yeah. we're both usually like, like you want to mm. go get some buffalo wings? Um, <laughs> but uh, who knows? Where was I going? Oh, this we might weekend. go to the beach house. And so just oh. the two of us and just stay over there. Because I, I kind of just want to get away. Maybe yeah. go to a casino, you know? Have a good time. Right time. Oh, what, yeah. What, what? I did that a few um, weeks ago. So I guess you will find out if I go to the casino, but let's cross our fingers because I want to. Yes. Oh, also, I just thought of something that I I did not plan on being somebody who listened to my own podcast, heard myself go, uh, Ronica, you're wrong, <laughs> and then thought, on the next episode, I'll just correct myself. However, I used, when you were accidentally said sexfully, mm-hmm. I used that and I said it's a new verb. I need it to be clear. I am well aware of the fact that it is an adjective. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to the full show for like the first time in a long time and was like, oh, I just called sexfully in a verb? You're like, let me correct I'm myself. Like, I can't tell people that I am a grammar Nazi or care about the English language as much as I do. And not <laughs> And not yourself. say, I know that it's an adjective. I so didn't anyways. notice. So that's where we're at. <laughs> well, I was good. like, and I, I have to listen to the whole episode because I go through and edit it all. Uh. So I'm like, Cool, cool. Keep talking. Keep talking. Okay. Okay. Let's get done. All right. Now you're done. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) So I think this week 
we're going to be doing things a little bit different. We didn't ask you guys if we should do this first. We just decided we're going to do it first. <laughs> and we'll see how you like it. Yes. This week, I think we're going to switch it up. And I think that I am going to start this week. Heck you. Which is destiny, by the way. Hopefully you know our voices apart from each other by now, but... Oh yeah, yours. I'm the one that has a very weird... I make so many voices throughout the podcast, and then you just have sexy voice the whole time. I'm like, oh, destiny could read me a story to sleep at night. <laughs> and I'm... I will ASMR you guys for days. No, I'm kidding. Maybe. <laughs> You're like, Wait. Trying to get out of my day job, so... I was just about to say, actually, should we put that on the list of ways we can make money? <laughs> Would you listen to this? And we're just going to give you a list. Oh, also. My mom's like, no, Destiny. (laughs) She's like, I'm turning this off right now. (laughs) Destiny should not go first. (laughs) What if we did the whole podcast in ASMR? The whole thing, though, is if we did ASMR, I personally cannot stand it. Yeah. Like mouth sounds and things like that. Oh, I don't. It makes it hard for me to edit the podcast, let alone oh. doing it. If we were to do ASMR, I'd be like, fuck it, Ronica, you're editor now. I cannot do this. I can't stand our voice. I would sit there and be like, oh, I'm going to kill both of us like now. <laughs> cringe, cringe, I'm cringe. like twitching. Yeah, <laughs> no, fine. I don't mind um, ASMR, but I, I understand. I'm aware. Your son loves it. Yeah. I does. was at your house and your son and your husband were like, watching a video of like a lady eating like a pickle or something and I was like please don't Travis hates it too Travis is like you like if he hears a little bit of it he's like <laughs> like goes no, crazy can't so. do it maybe somebody agrees but yeah. it might have just been your son watching the video yeah, yeah I was just gonna say know. it was probably just Lincoln because he just usually watched I will come downstairs sometimes and I'm like what you doing oh just watch this girly popcorn and I'm like this is not entertainment Lincoln stop it <laughs> But oh. it makes them happy and it keeps them calm. So anyways, <laughs> what are you doing this week? <laughs> Not talking in ASMR. Okay, good. Okay, good. so mine is interesting to say the least. I mean, we're, I'm just going to jump into it and we'll go with the flow. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so. So. No, I'm kidding. Oh, um, so. So, guess what? <laughs> no, okay. So I'm actually going to start gonna talking now. edit this later and be like, God damn it, why did I do I that? I hate myself. <laughs> Um, so today I'm going to be talking about Ruth Ellis. So Ruth was born October 9th, 1926 in Ryle, Wales, and was one of six children born to Alyssa Berta. Alyssa Berta? Alyssa Berta. It's like two names in one. I mean, it's in Wales in 1926, so I'm, I'm just going to go it. with it. <laughs> yeah. um, she went by Bertha, though. Oh, it's probably my least favorite name. I probably would have went by like Alyssa. Yeah, and it's spelled like E L I S A. Anyways, oh. but she went by Bertha. Yikes! Yep. Um, she was a Belgian refugee, and then so Ruth. Obviously, back to what I was saying. Ruth was born <laughs> to Elizabertha, and she was a Belgian refugee. And then Arthur Hornby, who was a cellist. Oh, that's a fun word. Right? At first I read it, I was like, what's a cellist? And I was like, hey, you idiot. It's literally a cellist. There's so many things whenever we're recording, the, or whenever we're researching these, that I'm like, oh, I'm, I am uneducated. What you are these are things? You are dumb. Thankfully, Wikipedia already knows, usually, yeah. and it's in blue, and I click on it, and I'm like, oh. Or you just highlight it, and then right click, and it's like, search Google for this word, and you're like, yes, Google's please. like, it's a cellist, you dummy. Just shows a picture of a huge cello you're like okay i'm dumb not a fellas so 
The family of eight lived in poverty, which I could only imagine that's a lot of children to take care of. Mm -hmm. And Arthur allegedly sexually abused Ruth and her sisters. Okay, right into Going dark stuff. pretty quick. Yeah. So growing up, Ruth attended a girl's school, but ultimately left at the age of 14 and started working a variety of jobs. She worked as a waitress, a factory worker, and some clerical jobs. At the age of 17, Ruth wound up pregnant by a married soldier, and she gave birth to her son, who went by Andy. Um, and the father, the married soldier, sent Ruth money for about a year to take care of Andy, but when it eventually stopped, so after a year it stopped, and Andy went and lived with Ruth's mother. Okay. So, Ruth was a very pretty young woman. She had platinum blonde hair, and honestly, she reminded me a little bit of Marilyn Monroe. Oh. So, I'll uh-huh. show you pictures here in a few. Okay, okay. Ruth ended up becoming a hostess at a local nightclub called The Court Club, where she ended up modeling nude. The money she made was obviously significantly higher than, like, her clerical jobs, her jobs in the factory. Oh, uh, yeah. She was so... People paid that money for the Just naked. showing what she had, you mm-hmm. know? Get it, girl. Exactly. Um, but she ended up making a lot more money when she started sleeping with regular customers there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I bet. So, again, making your money, girl. Your money. <laughs> yeah. um, in early 1950, she got pregnant by a regular customer, but ended up deciding to get an abortion which at the time was illegal. So I'm going to say mm-hmm. some of these things that kind of sound like they're not very important, mm-hmm. but it's kind of how people were perceiving her character. Oh, yeah, and for the time, in the time, I'm sure, A, you're out there being a trollop, if you will, yeah, for your job, and also getting pregnant and an abortion. Yeah, <gasps> so it's kind of just how people saw her. Right. So on November 8th, 1950, Ruth married a regular from the court club, George Ellis. He was a divorced father of two, who was also known to frequent the club. He was known to be jealous, possessive, and an alcoholic who constantly thought that Ruth was cheating on him. So, top-notch guy. He's a keeper. Real paranoid and bad habits. Cool. (laughs) So, during this time, Ruth got pregnant again um, with George's child, but he refused um, to admit that he was actually the father of the baby and... Thankfully, that was, like, the last straw for Ruth, and they ended up not getting divorced, but Mm -hmm. they ended up becoming estranged. Okay. And then Ruth returned to her parents' home with her daughter and started working as a hostess again. Okay. So Ruth ended up working her way up, and she actually became a manager at the Carroll Club, where she met David Blakely. David had two sides of him. He was a well-mannered, well, just well-off young man. And he, his other side was more of like he raced cars and he really liked his alcohol. Ooh. So. Yes. So he had a good front, not but, a great back. Yeah. But it's like pristine, nice, put together man during the day. Then at night he goes party. to these clubs. I'm a partier. I don't uh-huh. care Which about Which doesn't necessarily make him a bad person. Just, or I mean, not a bad person. I'm, I don't know that he's a bad person. But just going out. I mean, he's. He's just going out at yeah, night. That's he's just fine. going out. All I've told you is he likes his alcohol. Yeah, so all I see now is that he just likes to do what 90% of people he's I know me. do. <laughs> he's destiny right now. No, he's not. No. We're just going to nip that at the bud. Hey, you said it, not me. <laughs> You're 100% correct. I totally just slandered my own name. Anyways, so although he was engaged to another woman, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. um, after only a few weeks of knowing Ruth, he did move in with her. 
So this other woman also was known to be like a higher class because he was a higher class. Uh-huh. Um, but somehow but they're engaged and he they're engaged, but the... he somehow got away with moving in with another woman. So like, um, she put nineteen fifties. It's she's... I'm thinking like. Even though Great Gatsby's like the 20s, I'm thinking like, oh, well, I have this girl here, and I have this girl here, and I'm just going to do whatever I want because I can. Yeah? I guess he's technically not married. No. I mean, even if he was married, people do it all the time. It's true. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, So Ruth became pregnant again and decided decided to have an abortion this time. Um, But around that time, Ruth started seeing Desmond... It's cousins, but I saw it and I was like, cousins, and just oh. <laughs> stop thinking football. Um, cousins. <laughs> so uh, Ruth ended up losing her job, um, and then she moved in with Desmond, and he basically became kind of like a sugar daddy to her. Okay. So he was very well off, very liked. I wouldn't say necessarily liked in the community, but he was just... He was known in the community. Yes, he was known. <laughs> so basically when I think of all these guys, I think of like a Wall Street man. Who's Picture just a businessman. Very businessy, very I have a lot of money, I do what I want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, I can get away with potentially things as well. Not saying any of the Wall Street men do. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not I'm not assuming, but How so they're depicted, maybe. <laughs> exactly. I, now I'm thinking like Leonardo DiCaprio, Wolf of Wall oh, Street yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, he does <laughs> if that's the only Wall Street version of a man you've known, yep, sounds about right. <laughs> So, although her relationship with Desmond continued, she also continued to see David. Even talking about getting married, but their relationship was honestly, it just seemed like a shit show. David's the guy who had a fiancé, but... Lived with her. Yeah, and so they ended up kind of like petering out. She ended up getting fired from her job, and then she moved in with this other regular Desmond, who was like a sugar daddy to her. Right, right, okay. So, she ended up staying with um, Desmond, but also was seeing kind of David on the side, and her and David talked about getting married. It sounds like they really had, like, the passion. Like, they couldn't stay away from each other, but they were awful together. Okay. Um, and so they were just super jealous of each other, because obviously they were both seeing other people. Yeah, and for, they, like, obvious reasons, they had some insecurities about their yeah, relationship. Yeah, they're just angry and jealous. Okay. Um, but they, like I said, they had a weird loyalty to each other. Ruth ended up getting pregnant a fifth time when David and her got into an argument, and he punched her so hard in the stomach she suffered from a miscarriage. Oh, oh. So this is kind of where David's true colors are coming out. Okay, so he, he he's not destiny. <laughs> he <laughs> is who you not me. So after this miscarriage, at this point, she has had a son. She has had a daughter. Um, she's had two abortions. Mm-hmm. And then she has also now had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind kind of because the media... Right. Just remember that. They're going to attack her for that. So on April 10th, 1955, Ruth received a ride from Desmond to basically go stock out where David was staying. They followed David's car down the street, and Ruth waited for him to come outside. Around 9.30 that night, David and his friend, Clyde, exited the public house that they were in. When Ruth walked up to David, she was like, hello, David. Hi. And he just ignored her and, like, kept walking. She's like... David. David. <laughs> Look at me, David. And do, you he... watch, do you watch Shit's Creek? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ew, David. <laughs> David. Ew, David. Yeah, so I'm thinking it's more like, David, damn it, David. Look damn at it, me. David. Um, so he kept walking and he was looking for his keys when Ruth pulled out a revolver from her handbag. She oh. escalation. Yeah. <laughs> she damn it, David. <laughs> to Extra damn, damn it, David. David. 
Um, she shot at him, missing him, and so he started running. Then she shot him again, um, and at this point he fell to the ground. Then she got closer and was standing over him and shot him an additional three times. Okay, this is in front of a place? This is in front of a like, place. People There's people around. Okay. For sure. So she then stood there and literally said to David's friend, can you call the police? Oh, yeah, I mean, like, she just went a little cray-cray for just a sec. And then she, and then she was like, oh, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. So basically, almost immediately, she was arrested by an off-duty cop who took the gun that was literally, it was said to still be smoking. Oh, um, literal smoking gun. <laughs> yeah, he took it from her hands, put it in his pocket, and placed her under arrest. While he was doing so, she said, quote, I am guilty. I am a little confused. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a weird way to start your crime. Yeah, <laughs> just like, that's just a weird comment to say. Like, uh-huh. I am guilty. I'm a little confused. Uh-huh. It's just odd. Uh-huh. So while she was in jail, she was evaluated multiple times, looking for signs of mental illness or insanity, basically any explanation that she was not stable. Uh-huh. But they said, Couldn't you're perfectly sane. Uh-huh. So while on trial, she said, so they had asked her, like, what did you intend to do with this gun? And she said, quote, it's obvious. I shot him. I intended to kill him. Well, she's sane enough to know that. And it's just like, oh, okay. Okay. So this answer at that time guaranteed the guilty verdict, which mm-hmm. pretty sure still at this time you're uh-huh. admitting to it. Yes. Um, but at that time it also guaranteed the mandatory death penalty. Oh, shoot. Yes. Well, okay. So, I mean, yeah, I guess if it had been a dude that had done that, I would, I'd be like, oh, yeah, dudes just welcome and shoot each other. But yeah, I, okay. We'll but get, she's a mom we'll and get, she has we'll, children. We'll, we'll get more into that. And after only 14 minutes, she was found guilty. 14? Wow. Ew, 14 minutes. That's got to be That's a like, you walked in, you're like, yep. Yeah. Okay. Sat walk down. Walk out. Guilty. Like, she's about to sit in the chair. Guilty. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that was quick. Uh-huh. Um, and so, well, now on what we call death row, Ruth wrote a letter to David's parents saying, quote, I've always loved your son and I shall die still loving him. Wow. I don't know how I'd feel about getting that letter. Yeah. For some reason, that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> Maybe it's just cold in here, yeah. but... Ooh. I mean, it is, but yeah. like creepy goosebumps. Yeah, creepy like, goosebumps. Happy goosebumps. Not, not happy. Uh, I just... Yeah, creepy goosebumps. Yes. So, this is... On July 13th, right before 9 a.m., Ruth was hung. And even though she died within 12 seconds, they left her body hanging for over an hour. Okay. Overkill. Literal. Literally. So that being said, she was the last woman to be hung um, in the Great Britain area. Okay. And just two years later, the Diminished Responsibility Act defense came to be, um, which is something that could have potentially assisted Ruth in not receiving the death sentence due to the mental abuse and physical abuse that she went through, like, as a child. Right. And from David, like, literally beating her and making her have a miscarriage. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so I thought that was really interesting because that literally two years later comes into play. Yeah, right. It's, uh, you would, it seems like maybe that had something to do with it. Like, yeah. her situation, her being. Well, and it's like, could it gone from murder to manslaughter? Uh, which right. is what that act would have done, right. potentially. Maybe. I mean, it just would have opened a few more uh-huh. alternatives. Um, so I found that. That's honestly one of the biggest reasons I did this case. Yeah. Because I was like, that's insane. Um, and then 10 years later, after she was executed, capital punishment was abolished in Great Britain. Oh. And she was the last woman hung. 
Ah. So it's just like, I think a lot of this had to do with like her mental well-being. And it was already at a time where they were already like, we we don't know if we're going to, like, this is still a thing that we're going to continue to do. And she was the last one. And with, like, all of the circumstances adding up to it. Uh-huh. She could have just waited on death row a while. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. And then potentially. So, and then there's a couple other things that I want to kind of put in this. Because obviously there's a book out there that suggests that she actually didn't kill him. What? I don't necessarily believe that. There was a that. bunch of people that watched her walk up and shoot him? Yeah. Okay. But, so, a big reason why I found this case interesting was because just the amount of prejudice in this case. Uh-huh. They said that she was lower middle class, where David was a higher class, and she was upset that he was getting, like, out of her reach, basically. Uh-huh. They're like, she's lo- or she just got upset because he's rich and he has money. And like, also, bigger. Desmond was her sugar daddy. Uh-huh. She had her money on she the side. She had some fine. money. <laughs> Um, in addition, there was no follow-up, speaking of Desmond, to the fact that he, like... Drove her to the location? He drove her to the location, and according to, um, her son, in, like, an interview he did, uh-huh. Desmond provided her with the gun. That was, I was, when you were done, I was going to ask, A, what happened to this Desmond dude? B, how'd she even get the gun? And then took her to, for aiming practice. This is all according to her what? son. What? Yes. And there was no follow up on this guy, like nothing no about how he protects for him. No, nope. no, like, like what is? And that? I mean, a lot of it is they think or they say is because of his social standing. Right. He probably had money sense. to make sure that didn't happen. Yeah. And then so he was like, like oh, "What I do promise- you mean? I didn't do anything. Here's money." Yeah. That's and so yes. So I'm obviously I'm not saying that she was justified in killing David whatsoever. Like, right. you're never, I don't believe you're justified in killing another human. No. Um, I just think that they should have put a lot more effort into and these if we're investigations. Te- depending upon, yes, if, I don't know how far along she was pregnant, if she was not very far along or what, but. I think she was like four months. In, whoa! Yeah. So, uh, in her eyes, it was probably a life for a life. And so, if the law was just doing a life for a life, then in my eyes, do I think she needed to be hung for that well a life for a life has already taken place put her in jail forever yeah well and i because this the murder took place like two weeks after oh he supposed like Uh so she was still yeah she had lost a baby and she was like four months good lord like that's not yeah yikes yikes um so like i said i don't think that it needed i kind of read this and i was like it's a shorter one but i kind of want to talk about it because Uh it's just so crazy to me Uh uh-huh because i think that I don't, personally, I will say personally, I don't think she deserved the death penalty. No, I... Um, I and that's that, just personal opinion. So, like, if it was flipped around and it was a dude who did what she did and, you know, years of abuse, we still will give, you know, there's people that will still get the death penalty if they, years of abuse as a child, all of that, so I get it. But truly, to in my eyes, the the fact that he murdered her baby that was inside of her. She was four months pregnant. Yeah. And I understand they were probably like, well, this lady doesn't care about human life. She's been out there getting abortions. And yeah. So, so it truly is, it's a huge what you believe in or what your values are is yeah, what Yeah, de- definitely. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to do it. And not to stir up any conflicts yeah. or anything like that. I'm I trying just to keep like it. my own opinions out of right. this as I respond <laughs> Well, and that's why I'm like, my personal opinion, don't think she deserved the death penalty uh, but I do definitely think she deserved to be locked up. I mean, I never uh-huh. think it's okay to it take a like life. It sounds like she snapped anyways, so truly, yes, do I think she should have gone to jail? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't I don't know what else I believe. I don't necessarily... I, it's definitely messy. Uh, yeah. If you guys want to tell us what you believe without getting mad at us, please do. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know. Tell the world somewhere on social media 
to us what you believe without making it our fault for telling yeah, a story. Because <laughs> it's just a story. It's just a story that I'm telling and like a bunch of different points that were um, pointed out in the stories that I was reading. Um, I do, it just honestly, the story just gets sadder and sadder though. Oh, so oh no. it just, the turmoil continued to go. Um, and so for her family's life in 1969, Ruth's mom was found unconscious in a gas filled room in her flat. Um, and unfortunately suffered severe impairments and never spoke again. Oh. Ruth, yeah. Ruth's husband, the one she was estranged from, George Ellis, oh, uh-huh. became an alcoholic and killed himself in 1958. Yikes. And then her son Andy also committed suicide in oh, 1982. No. And it said he just had since, because his, his mom was killed when he was 10 years old. Yeah. He and lived a rough. It said that he just went through so much psychological Absolutely. issues that it just... And his mom, I'm sure his mom's um, whole case wasn't like, it was huge, it sounds like, for Well, that and it area. sounds like, obviously, he remembered Desmond talking about the gun, talking about this stuff. Yeah, he had And details. growing up, knowing another side of the story, yeah. I couldn't imagine. And Ugh. then you know that, like, especially at this time while he's growing up, all these people are saying their opinions of her. Uh, that's all he'll hear, yes. Yeah. And he's just like, that's my mom. Yep. So yeah. no, that is that was my very interesting, very weird. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Good job. That's why I was like when you came, I was like, I don't even know how to explain it, but you're gonna hear it. <laughs> yeah, we always try to preface each other about what's about to go down, and we both were like, um, just wait. Yeah, <laughs> so you'll find out. Also, because I almost forgot, oh. um, <laughs> my sources were I listened to a podcast and it was called History Extra. Ooh. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Murderpedia and Wikipedia. But... Always gotta have our sources always well good job thanks okay so that was my 1950s depressing case yeah it was depressing what are you gonna be talking about this week so mine also takes place way back in the day um have you ever heard of irene garza i have not okay good because it's a very um, generic name, so <laughs> I definitely have heard of a Irene You're like, I know three. I was like, what? I know this lady. I clicked on I was like, 1934. I don't Do know, this not know this lady. I know this lady. Yeah. So this story, before I start, there's going to be a lot of names. If you get confused, do not feel sorry for interrupting me and being like, wait a second. Okay. I tried to make sure that I use their first name and last name as much as possible because I felt like the more often I use the first name and last name. However, this story is tragic <laughs> in a okay. lot of different ways, and there's kind of stories within stories. Okay. This is one of the longer ones that I've ever done, but it's uh, it's crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for it. Okay, so this story mostly focuses on Irene Garza, so that's why I called it this, but there's a lot of other people, and there's one real bad guy. Okay, uh, Irene Garza was born in 1934, uh, her parents, Nicholas and Josefina, I was like, ooh, I like that name. <laughs> she probably pronounced it Josefina, right? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> owned a dry cleaning business, whoever they were, owned a dry cleaning business in uh, McAllen, Texas, in the Rio Grande, or Grande? No, Rio Grande Valley. Um, when, when, <laughs> I'm white. Hi. <laughs> when I re- yeah, I was like, keep it to Josefina. <laughs> yeah. Calm down. Okay. When Irene was a teenager, her parents uh, became business owners, and their business became very successful. And, well, they they started the dry cleaning business when she was a little bit younger, and then when she was a teenager, it took off, and people 
Nice. Really use that dry cleaning business. Um, and so they were able to move from the, the not as great known part of McAllen to uh, Wikipedia says, which was majority Latino, and then they moved to a nicer part of town, which was majority like whites. Um, so yeah, so they came into this nicer part of town. She started going to uh, McAllen High School. Um, this high school is also noted as being mostly white. Irene was the first Latina to become a twirler and head drum majorette, and um, <laughs> she was crowned 1958 Miss. All South Texas Sweetheart. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And was a homecoming queen at Pan American College. Um, and then by age 25, she worked as a teacher for disadvantaged children. So That's awesome. She had a lot going for her. She's yeah. very beautiful. I should have included pictures, but um, she's Wikipedia, if you Google that. Or <laughs> she's Irene Garza. Right yeah. Um, very beautiful picture of her in like a gown on there and um, she was beautiful and a very good member of her community pretty much um, and from what I from what I took of it she's also very modest like okay. she is not she's kind of I think in my brain she was a little bit more soft-spoken um, and not as aware of how beautiful and just kind of very conservative uh -huh. I think she was modest about it um, the soul center of everything that she did was or the soul center of her life was her catholic faith so in a letter to a friend in april 1960 um she wrote about how she uh was no longer afraid of death which kind of and i it's a weird thing to put in a letter but i think that it had to do with her faith gotcha i think that was part of it she said, you see, I've been going to communion and mass daily. You can't imagine the courage and the faith and happiness it has given me. In that same letter, she also described herself as extremely shy, but expressed fulfillment in her work. Uh, she also noted in this letter that she had recently become a secretary at her parent uh, of her parent teacher association. And she had um, or she was beginning to feel more confident in herself overall. Nice. Um, Sounds like she has plenty of reasons to be confident in herself. Yes, she is doing great, um, for, as far as I'm concerned, anyways. Okay, so by now it's Holy Week, a.k.a. Easter Eve. Okay. I am going to say this a few different times. I'm not Catholic, so I had to literally Google some of this stuff, where I was like, what does this mean? <laughs> I would have had to as well. Yeah, so it's around Easter, because it's April, um, and Irene decided to go to confession, um, as I think was a usual part of her life. Uh, at the time, she lived with her parents, so on Saturday, April 16th, 1960, and this is where I put AKA Easter Eve, <laughs> she told them that she was going uh, to confession at Sacred Heart Church in McAllen. But because of her, well, not because of her striking appearance, but because of her striking appearance, she was always noticed i'm again oh gotcha she, people took note that she was there yeah essentially like, oh so, it's yes so several parishioners uh, another thing that i was unaware of until recent uh they they saw her at the church just we're gonna put that out there first that evening when irene's parents hadn't heard from her they first thought that she had stayed at the church for midnight mass because again easter yeah and but when she didn't return home by 3 a.m Nicholas and Josefina went to the McAllen Police Department to report their daughter missing. So two days goes by. 
On April 18th, someone walking down the McAllen Road finds her beige purse, a high-heeled shoe, and a lace veil inches from the curb that were that were right outside the church. So they find Very some stuff. Very concerning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so a search party, like right away they're like, this is Irene. So a search party is set up to look for her in the area. And it was the largest search party in the Rio Grande Vi- Valley in history at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, because she was, she was a good person and she's gone. And her parents were probably losing their minds. On Thursday, April 21st, her body is found floating in the irrigation canal. Oh, Kind God. of near the church, but this is quite a few... Um, miles away maybe blocks but i'm pretty sure it's a few miles it's a distance yeah not right next to the church but her stuff she was she went to the church people saw her there she left church at some point and then she's found dead yeah when an autopsy was performed the postpartum postmortem sorry not postpartum (laughs) postmortem examination showed that she had died of suffocation and that she was raped while unconscious and beaten. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. There was bruising over both of her eyes and the right side of her face. So she was obviously beaten very severely. Intensely. Yeah. Severely is the correct word. Um, any physical evidence that might have identified an attacker, attacker, an attacker. <laughs> Words are hard. Yeah. Such as um, hair, blood, semen, that kind of stuff, um, obviously was washed away because she was found in a canal. God. So, uh, first, it seemed like they didn't have anything to go off of. Her body was basically washed clean of all evidence. They were having a hard time piecing together stories, and it just, there was, things were found all over the place. It also seems like it hit the news quickly, um, right off the bat. There was, like, a bunch of weird false leads that I chose not to get too into yeah that always weirds me out when that shit happens okay well so one of them before her body was even found someone had called a woman called her parents pretending to be her saying that she was being held captive in a hotel room and some other like weird things along with this weird and that's just one of them (laughs) and she was found two days after she went missing so it hit had to have hit the news people got weird real fast um Police officials questioned about 500 people all over Texas, including known sex offenders, Irene's family members, co-workers, ex-boyfriends, the lot. Yeah. They carried around, they had around 50 polygraph examinations, and they offered a $2,500 reward for information about her death, which could have been a motivation for all the weird people. True. Um, which was larger than any amount of money ever offered in the Rio Grande Valley in any Rio Grande Valley murder case. And then a South Texas businessman, I, it doesn't name who he is or anything, it just says later posted $10,000 of reward money. Oh, so, wow. like, he was trying to help. I don't know how he knew her. It doesn't say. It's just some random guy also gets in on this. Is like, we need to find more information. So because they didn't have that much information to go off of, they went the last place she was seen, the church. Yeah. Cue dramatic music. <laughs> The timeline of that night is very spotty, for the most part, uh, depending upon who they asked, I think. Um, There was a few things they were able to get for certain. Uh, The last person to see her alive that they are aware of uh, was a 27-year-old priest. His name is Father John Feet. His name is spelled F-E-I-T. I'm going to assume it's pronounced Feet. (laughs) 
I have to say his name a lot. <laughs> okay. So okay. I'm going to keep saying feet. Okay. I mean him. <laughs> okay. Perfect. The priest had been at the church since completing seminary training in San Antonio. So again, this is all in Texas. These are all pretty close towns. Um, so some locations get a little bit mixed up later on down the road. But anyways, what church members reported from that night was also pretty odd. Uh, they said that his confession line was moving pretty slow. And for some reason... He was away from the sanctuary several times that night. Very odd. Again, I'm not Catholic. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure if that's normal or not. I would I'm pretty sure I feel like it's the not. night before Easter, you're a priest, you're at your Catholic church all night long. Yeah, well and like your line is typically continuingly going I mean, he and was you're like if you have gone. a line, you're not like leaving and coming back, leaving and coming back. Oh, I would, would assume. You would assume? I'm not a priest. I don't know, but he was leaving and coming back frequently and frequent enough to where he was gone and people saw and then to make matters even more weird uh what they did say was unusual um for him to usually leave and stuff it was a little bit unusual for him they also said uh he took her when it was her time to go to confession irene uh uh-huh when it was irene's time for confession uh he heard her confession instead of in the confessional that evening he took her to the church rectory to hear her confession. Later, which was a part, I actually didn't put this in here, but I remembered reading this last night. One of her friends ends up saying way later on um, that that the father, and, and like I think it's the same person that she had written a letter to, and another letter or at some point when they're talking, she had said, he always tells me that the confession is too not a clean enough area. The confession, I, he always takes me to the rectory and says, this isn't good enough for you. You need to go to the rectory. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. There's that piece of information. Again, not Catholic, not entirely sure. Um, if that's normal. Yeah, but... but according to what Wikipedia had to say about this, and uh, also Washington Post is where another place that I got a lot of this information, <laughs> they also made it seem like this is not usual Catholic behavior. Cause for concern. Yeah. So, but again, she's a beautiful woman. He's, she's like, she's 25, he's 27, mm-hmm. he's probably like... But he's a priest. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, moving on. Um, the McAllen Police Department also gave Feet a new, a uh, few polygraph tests. I'm oh, sorry, every time. Feet. I know, I'm like, Fiet, but it's F-E-I-T, so it seems like it's Fate or Feet. <laughs> we'll just stick with Feet, because I feel like I'm going to want to call this feet, guy Feet over Fate, so yeah. let's just keep it up. Fiet? Yeah, it's hard. Um, a few polygraph tests were conducted and uh, f- for him and initially stated that he had passed. Um, but way later on, um, these are examined again and they're actually inconclusive. So okay, just know that going forward. Other reports against him uh, were from fellow priests that had noticed scratch marks on his hands that night um, after midnight mass. And then when uh, what felt like the most compelling piece of evidence for um, was... photo slide viewer was later found in a canal i did not click on what a photo slide viewer is i don't know if it's large but it was later found in a canal and to me that was like oh this is compelling like in the same canal same area so his anything of his was in a canal Uh uh-huh where where she she was was found. found yes maybe let's not say the like next to the body but in the same yeah vicinity yeah and so I'm not sure how much later it was, but still suspicious. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, 
when investigators interviewed the priest, he initially denied hearing that he'd heard Irene's confession in the rectory that evening, but then later he admitted to actually have having taken her to the rectory. So already lying. So story's already a little cool. bit changey. And he said that he just must have forgotten that detail at first. It was a busy night, and he was apparently all over the place, so... When questioned about his whereabouts that night, he accounted for his absence from the sanctuary uh, by explaining that he had um, broken glasses. He says he his story, which I was like, oh, get this. His story is that he, when he's listening to confession, he like takes his glasses off and plays around with them. He says that his glasses broke and that because he was playing with them nervously while he was listening to confession. The priest said that he apparently he was like oh my glasses broke i gotta drive home um and it said he had driven back to the pastoral house which i put in quotes aka pastor palace which i guess is probably wrong because he's a priest i don't know whatever anyways <laughs> either way um he goes he his story is my glasses broke i drove back to pastor palace to get a pair of glasses, and when he arrived, he had no key, and he was like, darn, I have no key to this place I live in. Jeez, why don't I have a key? So he tells them that he had to climb in the house on the second floor through a window that, I don't know if he broke the window or if it was broken in the process, so he sustained scratches on his hands for broken glasses. He broke into the pastoral house. All I can think of is it's like, he's sitting there listening and I was trying to, like, compare it to a job that you would have to do where you literally aren't using your Almost, eyes. Yeah. Like, you're not looking at people. I, th- I mean, no. I guess they can, but they, they can see you and you can't see them. Yeah. But you don't necessarily need to. You're just there to literally listen. It's a job where you don't use your eyes. You're sitting like, in the dark And box. you have a line. <laughs> you have a line. You have these people that want to talk to you and you're like, oh, I got BRB. Guys, wait here. I got to run, climb up a house in the window. I'm going to scratch my hands. Also, no, my glasses are irrelevant here. Taking this cute girl in this room real quick. No one pay attention to this. Exactly. Okay. Um, He, yeah, so he says he sustained the scratches on his hands when he was climbing outside of the brick structure. My next line is, I'm sure. (laughs) And even though this feels like the part of the story where an arrest takes place, the bad guys go to jail, and that's, you know, the end of it, or whatever, because so many things are up against him, that's not what happens next. God. Instead, I put some weird dark priest shit takes place. (laughs) I was real heated when reading this last time, so. Three weeks before, oh, okay. This is the part where we're gonna we're gonna enter a story that took place prior to Irene. We got a flashback okay. like a movie. So not not what happens next. So three weeks prior to Irene's death, a woman named Maria America Guerra, Guerra? yeah, uh, had been sexually assaulted while get this kneeling at the communion rail under um, at another Catholic church in the area. So. Um. <laughs> My eyes, which for the third time, I'm not Catholic. I don't know what quote kneeling at the rail is. I have no idea how you can get raped just kneeling at a rail, though. Um, but it sounds awful. God. So okay. This takes place near the area, and a rumor had already started prior to Irene's death uh, that Father Feet was the one uh, responsible for this rape. Yeah, you heard Father me. Father Feet. <laughs> you heard me. Father Feet. So there was a rumor that it was him that Like did people, this. yes, for either they knew him, either uh, perhaps someone saw this take place. Yeah. You know, 
Uh, however, local church leaders, a.k.a. I'm assuming other priests, discouraged people from considering the possibility that a priest could have been involved in a violent crime. Now, as we know here in the future, Jesus. the priests are, you know. Crazy things are happening right now as we speak. So. I'm going to bring those up. So, holy. Fiat, Fiat admitting, uh, admitted to visiting a priest church or to visiting a priest at that church on the day of maria's attack but at first denied assaulting her however enough evidence was found that eventually he was actually charged with that rape oh shit okay so now we know that about him he was in fact charged with her rape and this is after the whole thing with irene Mm -hmm. this is after the whole thing with irene this is like the thing with irene takes place then this he's actually found guilty okay now we flash forward we've gone back we're going forward so in 1962, rather than facing a second trial, uh, well, this is kind of still about this, but uh, feet, feet, dang it. Anyways, <laughs> father entered a plea of no contest to a misdemeanor charge of aggravated assault, and he paid $500 fine. Later, whenever, this is another part that I put that I found later, he actually says that he didn't understand that a no contest plea would be considered a conviction in the case. Oh my I'm like, God. yes, you, yeah, stop it. You're, he's and was this like, for Maria oh, or Irene? This is for Maria. Okay. This is still the Maria situation. Okay. Okay. So, because of this, instead of going to jail for Maria's rape at the rail, <laughs> I just can't get over that, um, he was instead sent to Assumption Abbey, um, a Trappist monastery in Missouri. Which is a mouthful to say, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it sounds uh, like it. <laughs> While he was there, he began working with new priests. One of those um, people that he worked with the most, or most often, is a man named Dale Techney. Which, just Dale. The name Dale, every time. Um, and Abbott... Okay, this part is from Wikipedia, and I tried to do my best to break this part down. So, he gets in trouble for raping this girl. He gets sent to this place where he... It's this other monastery. Mm-hmm. He decides to tell them he wants to be a monk at some point. He's okay. and so there's a person, there's an abbot there who's like, okay, cool, but you got to be evaluated. Well, during his evaluation or whatever they call it there, I'm calling it an evaluation. Yeah. Um, this abbot told Dale Techney that uh, Feet had confessed to killing someone during confession with him. Oh. oh. He asked Techney to counsel Feet for a few months to determine whether Feet had the disposition to become a monk. He's um, like, yo, this guy told me he killed someone. Can you make sure, though? Like, just can you see make, if he's worthy. Yeah, yeah. Do you think he could still be one of us? I was like, what? Um, or not. <laughs> okay, so... Techni says that Feet confessed to hurting a young lady and murdering another one, but that it was not his job at the time to judge Feet. So, Feet's confession was basically disregarded and everyone back to being sketchy priests. Oh my god. At some point, Feet did not feel comfortable with the monastic lifestyle at Assumption Abbey. Essentially, he's like, I don't like this place anymore. Probably he was like, they know too much. Yeah. So, he was sent to New Mexico (laughs) to a treatment retreat for troubled priests run by the servants of Pracolite? But That's he did, a thing? He didn't go there as a troubled priest, though. He went there to... Oh, shut the <laughs> counsel fuck up. Counsel other troubled priests. Oh, my God. So, 
One I of quit. the people that he counseled um, joined, so he or he joins his staff, and he worked his way into supervisory role at the center. Um, and this is where I put put this ridiculous note in the story. He, one of the things that he did while he was there was he counseled a man named Father James Porter, who became the center after he was known to have begun molesting children in the 1960s. Okay. Well, feet cleared Father James, this guy, for placement in another parish. And, Father and this was James, after he had done yes. that? Yes. Father James Porter, well, because he went to, he had, he had, this Father James Porter guy went to the troubled place. Yeah. And was like, he's like, I'm I... troubled. Will you heal me? Oh, I'm good. Let's go back. He's like, you're healed. Let's go to, I'm going to put you in a different place. But Father James Porter was later defrocked and imprisoned after abusing as many as 100 children. Oh my effing gross. Hate these guys. So like I said, stories within stories, because we're talking about <gasps> Catholic priests in the 60s. Of course there's going to be wild stuff. I understand. I'm sorry if you're Catholic. I understand. Hashtag not all priests or whatever, but this story is wild. So anyway, back to the awful story at hand. In 2002, that's how far forward we're going to flash. Holy shit. Dale Techney, the priest that Feet had previously worked with, apparently woke up one morning and decided he could no longer live with the information. I don't know if that's what happened. I'm just, he just decided he needed to call someone how many years this is like 40 years later yeah that's about 40 years later uh-huh so oh my god he just he called san antonio authorities and they were like uh that's not actually where san antonio is where feet had gone to school so that's in his brain he was like oh i'm just gonna call san antonio authorities i need to tell them what happened i can't live with this anymore yeah because of this though the investigation into irene garza's death was reopened that year thank god this is where it gets a little more frustrating. Texas Rangers investigator Rudy Jamarillo, that, that's definitely my white way of saying that, I'm sorry, uh, contacted Father Joseph O'Brien. Joseph O'Brien was a priest who had worked with feet at the time of Irene Garza's murder. So that was back in Texas. He had worked with him, and he gets contacted. Eventually, through a ton of, I put interrogations, I think they were just meeting with him and just asking him, yeah. you know. Um, Joseph O'Brien finally admits that feet had confessed to him shortly after the murder so again he was like wasn't my place i'm not god god's his judger not me also i work with him okay so I'm Ren well yep renee guerra who was the district attorney at the time decided against um reopening or against i put the word ring i don't know what those words supposed to be decided against going after the garza case before a grand jury um because Essentially, and this is 2004, uh, Guerra was reluctant to revisit the case, saying that the early police investigation had, according to this person, been shoddy, that O'Brien was suffering from dementia when he was questioned, and that there was no physical evidence. But there was. Oh my god. Uh, I mean, kind of. He said that Jarmarillo had inappropriately fed Techni the location of the murder after the monk had mistakenly called um, the San Antonio location. Yeah. And so he was like, well, actually, this isn't the right, this is, it's this location. So he, but Renee Guerra was also quoted saying, why would anyone be haunted by her death? She died. Her killer got away. So there's, there's uh, that. That's the district attorney. Way to go. Sensitivity level. Jesus. Uh -huh. 
However, and thankfully, in 2014, District Court Judge Ricardo Rodriguez campaigned to unseat Guerra as district attorney, and uh, the Garza case arose to camp, like, was part of his um, campaign. Upset. Rodriguez said that he wanted justice for the Garza family. He said that he would take a new look at the Garza case if he were elected. And to absolutely no surprise, Rodriguez won the election. <laughs> in February of 2016, Feet was arrested in Scottsdale, oh Arizona. God. At how old? He was 83 at the time of his arrest, and he used a walker when he appeared in court and was, then was extradited to um, Texas in March of 2016 and incarcerated. What I didn't put here, um, what I don't think I put here, is he was also, um, they... I believe he had liver and also bladder cancer. Oh my so they, god! So they were like, um, they were. He basically was incarcerated, but mostly like in a hospital, essentially. Um, he entered a plea of not guilty. The prosecution requested a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar bond, while the defense team asked for a hundred thousand dollar bond, adding that Feet had. Oh, here's the part: stage three kidney and bladder cancer. Judge Lewis Singletary. Set a one million dollar bond. <laughs> Was Good. like, take that, bitches. <laughs> Hate you. Yeah. So, um, in Feet's trial, prosecutors presented evidence that basically said law enforcement officials and the church's officers suspected that Feet had killed Irene Garza all those years ago. But prosecutors alleged that the, that the district attorney the, and the church leaders at the time cut a deal to stop the investigation to protect the reputation of the church. Ugh. There was even a letter read in court that was sent between clergy, is it clergy? I think it's clergy. Clergy? Mm -hmm. Okay. That was sent between clergy officials in October 1960, so back then. The letter expressed concerns that if a priest was charged in Garza's death, Kennedy's presidential campaign and the re-election chances of local Catholic sheriff would be at stake. Oh, Shocked? (laughs) I... To top it off, basically everyone in that area at the time were Catholic. Um, or, you know, that whole area that they all lived. They all knew they were Catholic. They all went to Catholic church. They yeah. all lived in the area. Um, so to keep their community looking great, to keep their church appear safe, and apparently to keep Kennedy in office, <laughs> it was much easier to keep it all hush-hush. But as we've learned about many Catholic priests over the years, not all of those secrets stay secrets forever. <laughs> Thankfully. I got real dramatic when I was writing this. <laughs> You're like, God damn it. I was so... Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. Yeah, I was a lot of... There's a lot of my writing here that's in all caps. <laughs> so, on December 7th, Feet was convicted of Garza's murder. In the punishment phase of the trial, Feet's defense attorney asked if Feet be given probation, citing his lack of felony convictions since Garza's death. The prosecution asked for a... Sentence of 57 years because that's how long it had been. It was symbolic of the amount of time that had passed since Garza's death. However, on December 8th, the jury pronounced a sentence of life in prison. And he went to jail and then he died. Good. I'm not upset. No. I'm not upset at all. And when you look at, I looked up a lot of the pictures of and he's an elderly man oh i looked i just looked it up while you Did were you talking see the ones of him crying because i looked up a few because i'm pretty sure i heard about this oh really yeah because i just when you started saying that and then i was like 
I remember it being like super tied back and then I looked at the picture and I was like I really think I heard about this but I didn't look really into it mm-hmm. um but I remember like the Catholic Church priests yeah. things like that I mean yeah there's tied so to, many, I mean there's yeah. in our time there's so many things that have that come are coming forward. out right yes. now yeah and that's insane that's fucking a crazy so i understand that not all catholic priests are bad and they have a reputation especially now to uphold but holy crap (laughs) yeah that's wild and the fact that like so many so many people knew about it that's what i can i'm just like dumbfounded and the fact that somebody woke up how many years later and i think it was eating him alive i'm sure that's maybe straight i well i think what he what or he just wrote a confession tell all yeah i'm kidding but (laughs) that's just awful yeah but i'm happy that some justice even though it was it's very clear that um that it was it just is a good example of how the catholic church is hidden a lot of things over the years yeah yeah so yeah there's my story <laughs> holy cow that was good that was that was great was great story <laughs> yeah well but i was very angry last night it was a very sad story yeah so um well that's it for us this yeah, week folks thanks for listening guys <laughs> i mean that's crazy to me to think about this like okay let's just say real quick uh-huh. your guy uh-huh. yes he got life in prison uh-huh. my girl freaking got hung uh-huh for shooting a dude which she killed someone which so. she killed someone but he also killed someone yeah and raped someone and he wasn't w- yes punched but he was a catholic the, uh, uh priest wow. so so it's just wild to kind of see the differences <laughs> he was looked at too. differently in the but community. like at that time yeah they're right around the same time mine was like basically a femme fatale was is a, what they were all saying yeah she was and a woman who probably tons of people were going, well, this whore's got to die. Yeah. Meanwhile, like the whole, like, low totem, or low totem pole type thing. Oh, <laughs> she was dirt in the that's totem what, pole. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I'm just like, God, people suck sometimes. People suck most of the time. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But not you guys. You're great. Yeah, thanks for being here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> Crime Wives out.